Section 7 of Neighbourhood A Year's Life in and About an English Village by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 April Part 1 Sunday morning in Windlecombe, especially when the season is early April and the weather fine, is, of all mornings, the one not to be spent indoors. Today, until the church bell had ceased its quiet tolling, and the last belated worshipper had hurried up the street, I stood just within the screen of box hedge that divides my garden from the public way so as not to obtrude my old coat and pipe and weekday boots on those more ecclesiastically minded and then bareheaded hands thrust deep into trouser pockets and pipe leaving a grey trail of smoke behind on the tranquil air i lounged out upon the green deserted and still in the sweet april sunshine to study windlecombe under one of its most inviting aspects its seventh-day spirit of earned sloth and unstrung loitering ease though the old vicar has held his post here for nearly half a century and is better acquainted with the parish than almost any other there is just this one aspect of life in windlecombe which must be to him for ever a sealed book when once he has got his little flock together for morning service with the church door shut upon them the village and all its doings pass for the time being out of his ken on wet sundays and on the great church festivals he knows that many accustomed corners my own included will be as infallibly occupied as they are at other times unvaryingly empty and thereof he never makes either complaint or question he goes on his way never doubting but there is some saving good somewhere in the worst of us and wholeheartedly loving us all while we the black sheep who would sacrifice for him our right hands our money our very lives even anything but our fine sunday mornings go our ways too satisfied if there is meaning in looks of his secret sympathy for there never was human man whether lay or clerical who of a fine sunday morning believed himself so nearly at one with his maker on his knees in a dusty pew as abroad in the vast green church of an english countryside i had gone no more than a dozen paces over the level worn grass of the green when i stopped to look about me knowing well what i should see like rabbits coming out of their burrows after the gunner has passed on the non-church-going folk began to appear i saw young daniel dray and young tom clemmer go off with a bag of ferrets and their faithful terriers at their heels dewey artlett arrived at the wellhead 
the traditional meeting-place for windlecombe lovers and stood waiting there with a big nosegay of primroses in his hand and another in his cap he was joined a moment later by one of the girls from the farm and off they went together for a morning sweethearting in the lanes at the far end of the green the inn door came clattering open and that genial reprobate the innkeeper appeared in his shirt-sleeves blinking up at the sky as though but lately out of his bed other doors here and there were thrust back each giving egress to some happy loiterer in his sunday best within five minutes almost every garden gate had a pair of brown arms comfortably resting on it and voices began to pass the time of day to and fro in the whole sunny length of the street by easy stages stopping for a word here and there by an open door or a chat with some old acquaintance sunning himself amidst his cabbages i got to the foot of the hill and so to the river the ferryman sat in his boat but as he returned me for my greeting only a stare and a scarce perceptible shake of the head i knew that our common enemy was in ambush close by i made off along the river path and turned into the woods there was a blackbird singing somewhere in the budding thicket and i managed to get quite close to his perch without being seen to the songs of birds like the thrush the skylark the robin you may listen for five minutes and beautiful as they are in that short space of time you will have learnt all that the song has to tell but the blackbird's song is very different it has an endless succession of changes in rhythm power and quality you may listen to it for an hour and never hear a phrase repeated in its exact form the difference between the blackbird's song and that of nearly all other birds is the difference between the singing of a happy schoolgirl and that of a prima donna while both have melody one alone has finished artistry until you have stayed in a wood with a blackbird a whole sunny april morning through and got from him the truth of things as he alone can tell it you do not really know that spring is here now by the riverside copse as i leaned on the old lichen-gilded timbers of the fence listening to the pure unhurried notes the fact that it was really april at last was suddenly borne in upon me in the daybreak and eventide choruses of birds the thrushes by dint of sheer numbers and vehemence easily overpower all other singers now and again you can catch and isolate a matchless phrase of blackbird music but to hear the song in perfection you must wait until the day is wearing on towards noon and he seeks solitude for his singing if birdsong is a language then the blackbird must be the supreme orator of the woods 
though you understand not a syllable of what he is pouring forth there is no doubt of its ever varying meaning in the midst of a succession of quite simple phrases each consisting of three or four notes at the most he suddenly gives you a passage whose melodious complexity is almost bewildering he constantly varies the pace of his delivery he embellishes his song with grace notes beautiful silver chiming triplets in the midst of his lowest most leisurely strains there is emphasis attack a sort of blustering use of sheer power of utterance or he may run over a slow quiet tune at his lightest tongue-tip at times indeed it is well-nigh impossible to believe that you are not listening to two birds together of totally different qualities of voice alternating their melodies how long i should have tarried there furtively renewing this old acquaintance i know not but it seems my cover was incomplete and the song came to its usual termination it stopped short in the midst of one of its brightest stanzas and i knew my presence had been observed the blackbird made off there was first the defiant yet fearsome cluck 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 until he was clear of the bushes and free to fly and then away he went through the sunshine to the far bank of the river hurling over his shoulder as he went the usual mocking laughter peal a week of april has gone by a week of rain and shine and the singing of the south wind by day and at nights an intense dark calm full of the sound of purling brooks the river runs high all the streams are swollen the low-lying meadows are half-green grass overspread with a pink mist of lady smock and half-glittering pools of water that bring down the blue of the sky under your feet as you go you can never forget the rain for an instant on this page as i sit writing at the open window the morning sun was streaming a minute ago now a ragged grey rain cloud has come tumbling over the hills and i cannot see across the green for the torrent it is by almost as quickly as i can set down the words and now the sunbeams are pouring in at the window again the whole village lies before me drenched and sparkling the street one long river of blinding light tom artslet going by early this morning to his work and spying me in the garden called out that he had heard the cuckoo twice already and it may well be so the ringing note of the wryneck the cuckoo's mate has been sounding in the elm tops all the morning through and the cuckoo is seldom far behind her messenger nightingale and swift swallow and martin they are all on their way northward now and any day may bring them 
but time spent at this season in looking forward to the things that will be is always time wasted every hour in early april has its own new revelation and common eyes and ears can do no more than mark the things that are yesterday in a blink of sunny calm between the showers i took my midday walk through the hazel woods the young leaves already tempered the sunlight to the primroses and anemones that covered the woodland floor giving all a greenish tinge though the whole wood was full of primroses it was only by the edges of the fields where they grew in full sunshine that their rich yellow colour had any significance here under the hazels this was so diluted and explained away by the white of the anemones and again by the leaf-filtered sunbeams from above that the primroses no longer seemed yellow at a few yards distant in the dimmest spots you could scarce tell one flower from another but for its shape wherever i went in the wood the soft droning song of the bees went with me you could hardly put one foot before the other without dashing the cup from the lip of one of these winged wanderers but though the anemones and primroses grew so thick so inextricably mingled together the honey-bees kept to the one species of flower they clambered in and out of the star-like anemones sometimes two and three at a blossom together but the primroses were always passed over by hive-bee and humble-bee alike here and there i picked one of the sulphur blossoms and tearing it apart made sure that there was nectar in plenty its presence was plain even to the human eye the truth was of course that the sweets of the primrose were placed so far down the trumpet tube of the flower that no bee had tongue long enough to gather them even if they were to her mind yet though the bees might scorn the primrose for much the same reason as the fox contemned the grapes in the fable there was one creature specially told off by nature to do the necessary work of fertilization now and again in the general low murmur of voices about me i could distinguish an alien note this came from a large fly in a light brown fluffy jacket with transparent wings fantastically scalloped in black he jerked himself to and fro in the air from one primrose to another hovering a moment over each before settling and thrusting a tongue of amazing length down the yellow throttle of the flower his name i have never heard but i know that until recent times he continued to conceal not only his means of livelihood but his very existence from the vigilance of naturalists darwin himself failed to identify this primrose sprite with his special mission in fertilising work it is strange how familiarity with the commonest natural objects 
may exist side by side with a pitiful ignorance about them i had gathered primroses every spring for half a lifetime through before i realized that i bore not one but two kinds of blossom in my hand the discovery i remember came with something like a shock of surprise yet there was no blinking the fact the wonder indeed was that in all the thousands i had gathered as boy and youth and man the thing had never before occurred to me there was no difference in the sulphur-hued faces of the flowers but while the deep central tube of some was closed with a little whirl of pale buff feathers in others this tube was open and there stood just within it a slender stem topped with a small green globe it seemed at first sight then that the sexual principle in the primrose was divided each plant bearing only male or only female flowers but investigating farther i found that this was not so each flower was truly hermaphrodite only in one the male feathery anthers were uppermost and in the other the green pistil of the female appeared above thirty years it took me to discover these simple obvious facts about a thing i had handled every spring since childhood how many decades more i wonder must pass ere i shall clear up the final mystery about them a matter now to me dark as ever how with the primrose alone this came to be so and above all why if i tell the plain honest truth about the day which has just ended and call it a day of adventure and excitement from its first grey gleam to its tranquil golden close i am not sure that there are many who will understand me save the one who shared it with me almost hour by hour for nothing really happened on this day as the world estimates events over an obscure sussex village a mid-april sun shone out of a cloudless sky certain migrant birds arrived in the neighbourhood certain wild flowers and insects were observed for the first time there was nothing more no wandering stranger appeared in the street to bring us all to our doors no big gun practice was going on thirty miles away at portsmouth outraging our blue sky with incongruous thunder nor did even the gilt arrow on the church clock slip an hour at midday as it often does and send us scurrying home to dinner before the time to all save two in windlecombe the day was just an ordinary working weekday but to these it was no less a day than the one on which the year comes suddenly into its full young prime for me it began when the grey eastern sky took its first tint of morning rose there is no sweeter sound than the song of the house martins and this it was that roused me now 
in the darkness they had come straight to their old nesting site under the eaves and now they filled the room with their quaint voluble melody and wove a mazy pattern against the sky as they circled to and fro while i dressed i watched them dipping and crying in the sunny air and peering out through the window now and again i could see them all along under the eaves clinging to the rough bricks of the wall where they had left their mud-houses last october but of these none remained now not to break down the martins nests in early spring before the sparrows begin to stuff them with grass is to prepare for the little black and white voyagers war instead of welcome and they seem quite as happy and content if returning they find nothing but a clay mark on the wall end of section seven